This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. I'm driving along with two Jewish people on my fender. There's a law in New York State. I sang once for Barbara Streisand, this is a true story, and her eyes crossed the other way. It was Shabbat. Well, the first thing I do is make them toast my salad. From the writer of Nyeh and the director of Nyeh comes Nyeh. You can have an eight-way suck fest up in your room, but you can't walk barefoot to the casino. I want a lemon Twitter, I want a raspberry puff, I want a honey curl, and a, a, a no, two chocolate, no, one, one, put it back, put it back. I can loosen up. Don't have to be so black all the time. I hate when my foot falls asleep during the day because that means it's going to be up all night. My neck is actually six inches long, completely flaccid. It don't matter about how much you sniff, put it away, sniff the interest. We're going to have to buy more stuff! It's not often you get to work with your friends, and today's no different. This next uh, guy's an asshole. Not, not just kidding. I've done that before. Actually, it's funny. One time, I used to do that often as a host. I, one time I was working in San Francisco, and I did that as an intro for a comedian. I said, it's not often you get to work with nice people, and tonight's no different. This guy's an asshole. And the crowd laughed because, you know, it's kind of different, kind of an intro. And that comedian was pissed, pissed. And I'm like, come on, loosen up. But anyway, this guy is my brother, my fraternity brother. We went to college together. Uh, we've known each other more than 40 years now, and uh, I'm so proud of him, and I know you will too. I know you'll be interested to hear how his life came about. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please pay attention and uh, enjoy, relax, and listen to Mario Canto. Well, all right, I, we'll start sort of in that scenario. Yeah. Now, I know you're from Stoneham, because every time I see the Stoneham Zoo sign, I think, where's <laughs> Mario live near the zoo? I live in the zoo. <laughs> right. You with are the yellowing zoo. polar bears. Those polar bears are like yellow. <laughs> yes, they were never no one... white. I'm like, why aren't they white? They're yellow. It's like, is the zookeeper peeing on them? Do they like golden showers? Are they, you know, are they S&M ah, polar bears? I think they are. Well, that's the S was for Stoneham. Yeah. The M for Mass. Yes, yeah, so that's Stoneham, Stoneham Mass. Yeah. But you weren't, you weren't born there. Like, you moved there. Well, I, we, we lived in Everett first, ah. which is a, 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 a very, um, it's a different town now, but I it still is. have relatives there. Um, we li- I live there, and I, I think lived Paula on Poundstone Street. is from Everett. Is she? Or she was at Everett when we were in college. Wow. Yeah. Well, she might have. Yeah, we, I, I, we lived there until I was two, but I was the youngest at the time when we right. moved to Stoneham when I was two years old. Well, my five mother of was you can- kids, just like my family, there were five. Five, five and a half. Ooh. You know about the half. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I do. I know. But uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I, yeah, I li- we lived on Chelsea Street in Everett, and I my only memory of that is I got in the car at two by right. myself and shifted the gear, and the car rolled out onto <laughs> Chelsea Street. They didn't know where the hell I was. They're like, "Where's Mario?" And there I was, like, you know, honk, honk. And, and, and Chelsea Street's a little wild. You know, it's not a highway, but there's a lot of traffic, and I can't believe nothing hit me. I mean, but I did. I, I rolled out onto Chelsea Street in the car. Like, I, I didn't even have an Apple box to sit on. I just You, you were like Mr. Magoo. I really was. It, Road hard. I was like Linda Hunt in, in a Bentley. <laughs> was it a Bentley? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Oh, God, it no. would have been a better but story. We, but we moved to Stoneham because my mother was a bookie. Right. Your whole family were like... Yeah, well, the sisters. Right. It was really... It was like they were Barbara Stanwyck and Susan Hayward and, <laughs> and Ida Lupino. You know, those were the sisters. And they were all bookies. And... Um, 
and they, my, my, my mother, sister, Joe and Mickey lived across the way and Joe lived mm -hmm. upstairs and Mickey lived downstairs. It was like, <laughs> it was like baby Jane and Blanche. And, but like a sitcom where upstairs and downstairs. It, it really was like, and, and they were booking, they booked numbers. Right. And my, my mother was, my, two weeks after I was born, the house got raided. Nice. Oh, the house got raided. Oh, yeah. And they were like wow. ripping up the slips and flushing them. And my oh, sister God. Marion was appalled. She walked in with her boyfriend. She was so appalled and embarrassed because <laughs> she was, you know, she wanted to be an actress and she was trying to be very sophisticated. And here she is walking in with her boyfriend <laughs> and her mother's getting busted for booking. Uh, and they, you know, and so they, they, this is true. They took her to, uh, um, they took her to, they took her to, I guess, to, 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 to down to the station, whatever. And she had a, my father took the rap. Now, my father was not a bookie at the no, time. No, he, he ran the restaurant. Gambler. He was just running the restaurant. He's he was, Mario. He was Mario Sr. Yeah, he's Mario Sr. He, and he he took the rap. He went to court. Wow. He Because the phone was under his name. And, mm. and so he took the rap. He, they, 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 he went to court, and the, um, the judge gave him a suspended sentence. And his lawyer said, let's appeal this so we can wipe it off your record. I know we can get this wiped off your record. Let's go, let's go at it again. Let's appeal it. Right. Instead of just taking the suspended sentence. So they appealed it, and he went to jail for three months. Oh, God. Good and lawyer. Cut to the late, well, the mid-70s, mm -hmm. when he was, when Cantones was at its peak, I guess. Uh, or, <clears throat> I don't even know if it was a rock and roll club at that time in 76. But anyway, he got, he got, he got busted for Bookie. He went to court. Right. He walked in. Uh, the judge was the lawyer that told him to, to appeal. appeal. Like, yeah, like years before. And he let him off. That's great. Because the lawyer's like, look, I screwed this yeah, guy up. I, I, you I, I gave him three yeah, months. And, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But that's a true story. But yeah, so my mother moved. Because your father loved your mother and he didn't want her to. Plus, she, your mother was also a gambler as well. Oh, she so was a compulsive a, gambler. Right. If you're a Coke dealer who does Coke, you're not going to make any it's, money. Exactly. If you're. My, my father, when he ended up booking, because my mother taught him to book, he didn't bet. So you're right. When you're booking and betting, it's a double whammy. I mean, right. the, you know, and then she, she gambled one more time while we were living in Stoneham after we moved there and they mortgaged the house again. Mm, right. And then that was the end of that. Then but she stopped gambling. But you could gambling. see the love of a guy who's going to take three months for the woman he loved. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, sure. Oh, he did love her. You know, he had a lot of women, though. Mm. He, was, he, well, he was a very gorgeous man and he had a lot of women. But he, he never left. Um, and even when she was sick and dying, he never, he never, uh, he was there the whole time. And in fact, the woman that he was with for a long time on the side, right, wanted to marry him, and she's, he said no, and and he never mm. remarried. He was like, I live by one, I die by one. I guess, yeah, like, yeah but you fucked a hundred of them, <laughs> right. you know. But he so. was just fucking them. He was, uh, yeah, he had his relationship what, with them, but he, what do you he think? Never he, what do you think he, you know, was running around? Was he just? Do you have any idea? I mean, you, I, I think I, he, he was the nicest guy in the world. He was I the met greatest him, guy. And I don't see him as being a Lothario until this conversation. Well, you know what's really weird? A lot of women came after him. Mm. Not that that's an excuse because he loved it. He, right. he, I think he was sexually addicted for sure, mm -hmm. if that's even a term, if that even exists, but definitely led his life. You know, it's, and when you're a straight man, it's, you've got to court them and take them to dinner. You can't right. just hook up and have sex with stuff like that. You got to open a restaurant. Yeah, yeah you got to hire waitresses. <laughs> Let's see, I'll fuck that head waitress this week. Um, but, but, but my mother knew. My mother knew. She knew. Now, you were, were they funny? Was it a funny house? 
Um, my mother could be funny, but she was very shut down. She was a very depressed woman. Um, mm -hmm. uh, my father could be funny. Camille was funny, like my sister Camille. Marion could be very funny. Marion was hilarious. She's I, very funny. I, she made me laugh. I knew her you, the best of all the that's sisters. That's right, you did. Yeah. Yes, they were funny. You know, I, yeah. we had humor. My mother, my mother was funny. I guess, yeah. She could when she was, you know, in rare form and going off on somebody and being judgmental and opinionated and, <laughs> right. and ripping someone apart. She could be hilarious. Well, you know, that's what I want to know is how you caught the bug. You probably my, saw your mother was this personality plus, or maybe I'm guessing all these guesses is that you wanted to make her laugh. You wanted to make oh, her feel well, good. Well, that was that. There was right. certainly that part of it. You know, that's uh, because she was a depressed woman and. I would try to make her laugh once in a while, but then I also stayed, stayed, <laughs> stayed clear of her. I really did. Right. Um, but uh, my, I think my sister Marion went to Emerson College. Yes. You know that? And so she, she's the reason why I got into the show business, and mm -hmm. you know, and and listening to comedy records and all that stuff. What were the first records did. that she? What did she listen to? What did she? She didn't listen to comedy records. She listened to music. I, for some reason. Just got into comedy records on my own. I just, mm. I guess, watching Laughing, Lily Tomlin was a big influence. Uh, Robert Klein was a big, big influence. Um, right. Steve, Child of the Fifties. Oh yeah, Child of the Fifties, and <laughs> the other one, um, uh, Mind Over Matter, was a yes. big one for me. Um, of course, George Carlin, uh, Steve Martin, big R Richard Pryor. A little later on, it was funny with Richard Pryor because the, you know he was a little dirtier. Yeah, so quote it was unquote. later. Yeah, and we, you know, my mom would listen to these records with me. My parents would buy all the records that you're mentioning, but they didn't buy Richard Pryor. I had to go to the store. Oh yeah, and with my you know paper route money to get Richard Pryor, and then listen to what my friends because you you don't want to sit with your parents and. Hear Richard Pryor and you. his and his peak years too was when we were a little older. Also, those when the films yeah. came out, you know, um, the the, the, the three films that he did, three concert films that he did. Yeah. But you know, I remember him from, from Lady Sings the Blues, which no yeah. one would take me to see because it was rated R. I was like, it's a musical, <laughs> and I need to see Diana Ross play Billie Holiday. Take me. Well, you had to do what I did. What I used to do is I used to go to the parking lot at the movie theater and ask couples to bring me in as their oh, guests that's a very because good I couldn't get my mom to take me to see Mean Streets, which is oh, the movie I wanted to see, oh, which changed my life. Yeah, wow. And uh, so I would have to beg people to take me in, and somebody eventually would, and it was embarrassing. But eventually, I got a job at a movie theater, so I didn't have to do that anymore. And I got to see everything that's that way. So yeah, I, I got a job in the movie theater when I was in college, and that's that's all. The Empire Strikes Back, and it's all I heard every night in my <laughs> sleep was bum 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 bum. It was like, all right. Um, but, but you but, knew all the words, probably. Uh, there, there were no words. It was just trumpets, bum bum, with French horns, trumpets, and trombones. Surprised you didn't get into the orchestra. Oh, well, I, I love. Well, that's a whole other story. Yeah, right. now I'm into the opera. 50 plus gay equals opera. That's what happens when you turn 50 and you're gay. You get into the opera. No, not kidding. Six years ago. But my fondest memories of the movies, my mother used to watch. Like, she turned me out to Jimmy Cagney and mm. and Betty Davis and Joan Crawford and all the... I mean, we used to watch the movies all the time. The Bad Seed. Remember The Bad yes, Seed? Yes, I do. One of my favorites. Um, and, did, yeah. and I remember and we, that, you know, because you always did these characters. So yeah. you saw the movies, you go home and you try them out for them. your family. I oh, or, yeah, I would. I or for yourself in your room. I do. I, I do the, I, I, what's so funny, the first impressions I did, though, was like Ernestine and Edith Ann from mm -hmm. Lily Tomlin. And, and Julia Child yes. was my first impression, really. Um, How old were you when I you was, were doing these? Oh, God. I was like 12, 13. Mm. I remember in high school, the, uh, junior high school, there was the youth night, and I did a, 
I did a sketch as Julia Child making a crepe Suzette. And then when I did it in college at the Emerson Comedy Workshop, which right. you know what I did, I did her rolling, cleaning marijuana and rolling a joint. Yes. So, yeah, it, it, it escalated, I guess. But 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 that was the 70s, so there was sex and drugs and rock and roll. So yeah. a lot of the skits we would do in college, it would be President uh, Carter, yes. but his m mom would be smoking a pot. Or, yeah. You know, it was always pot or booze or always. because it was the era that it, it was. was. But as kids, we didn't know pot or booze. You would do just do the impressions yeah. probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually started smoking pot at 13 years old. Wow. Moderately. Right. My cousin Annette, who was also a very big influence on my humor, and, and my, my sister's best friend Harold, who went to Emerson, I met him when mm. I was two, they were big influences on my humor and how because I just thought they were so funny. And so, was anybody else like grandmothers? Or? No, they were all dead. The grandmothers were mm. dead. My mother's mother was the only one that was alive. She was alive for two weeks after I was born. I was born December 9th. She died Christmas Day. Oh. She made the meatballs, laid down, and she yeah. was dead. Could you imagine that scene? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're there going, you know, forget and you're it. eating the meatballs going, what's wrong? Oh, Why I, is... I was, I was, I was <laughs> two. I, had a, I, don't, I always said I was the omen. I killed her. Two weeks later, she's <laughs> dead. Grandma's dead. Oh, uh, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was two years. I was I was six months old. I'm not sorry, two two weeks old, and she died. But I have great memories of the best memories I have of my mother going to the movies with her, mm. like going to see New York, New York. Oh yeah, which is one of my favorites with Robert De Niro and Liza and Liza Minnelli. And she she loved that movie. She loved that. She loved Fiddler on the Roof. She didn't That's like so Cabaret. It was too dark for her. The movie. It was oh too... God, my mother did the same thing. <clears throat> she took me to see Barbara Streisand on Broadway and Funny Girl. We went three times on Broadway. On Broadway, you know, I'm two years older than you, so you. I did. I did that, and I she, but she loved Liza, and we went to see all those. We went to see all those films. We oh. see Feather on the Roof. I saw it like three times. It's as probably well. one of the great movie musicals yeah. of all time. Yeah, I agree. Norman Jewison. It's one yes. of the best movie musicals of all time. It, it really, really is. And why do you say that? What do you? Think I don't know. Great? And I've. I've seen yeah, it. I've never. Herschel Bernardi do it. I, I saw Zero Mostel do it. I never saw it on stage. And then I saw who's the guy who talks like this? Uh, he did it with Andrea Martin. Uh, um, Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein. He, he, he did, did it with he Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. I, I I didn't see that production, and I and I haven't seen the new production yet. Shame on me. But I've mm -hmm. never seen it on stage, and mm. so I've only seen the movie. But I just think is uh, do you what's it what's it like what's it. Compare, what, compare it. What is it? Well, like? you know, to see, for, to see Zero mm. Mostel at the yeah. beginning, you know, was amazing to me. And then later on, my mom wanted to see it again, and she says, "I don't know if you want to go back. I'm I do." And then it was Herschel Bernardi, and Herschel oh, yeah. Bernardi had a big sitcom. I don't even remember Arnie. the name. The boss. It was or, called Arnie. Arnie. Right. That's right. So pull he, that out of my yeah, Arnie. Yeah, you didn't really I? did. Yeah. And uh, I to see him, and it was like, oh my god, that guy from TV. Yeah, is, Arnie. And he was brilliant. Yeah. And then seeing. Uh, his, he keeps, his name keeps slipping away, but I love Andrea Martin, who went to Emerson. Harvey, and, uh, Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein. Yeah. But it was Alfred was Molina brilliant. first that did it, and right. then Harvey replaced him. I didn't see that either. I really wish I had. But, but I agree I with you. It's one of the greatest musicals in the mm -hmm. songs, and no matter what the, the story was, the songs were beautifully oh, written God. and you know directed so well. I can't believe you saw Barbara Streisand. On, on Barbara. Neither can I. See, I saw her in the movies. My mother took me to see that, and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Who is she? And that's and they would make me sing Barbara Streisand. Nikki Onstein. You know, <laughs> Nikki Onstein, Nikki Onstein, Nikki Onstein. What a beautiful, beautiful man. I, I, well, two years Old, I knew all, the double album set of Judy Garland's mm. Carnegie Hall album, and I would, they would make me get up on the coffee table and sing it at two years old. <laughs> right. And then, you know, when I was gay, my mother was pissed off. I'm like, mixed signals. <laughs> you know, you're fucking with you me. You set me up. Yo, no I shit. knocked it down. Oh, yeah. And then at eight years old, I graduated to doing Streisand and doing mm. all the, the funny, girl, funny, girl, funny Girl album, and they would 
they would make me do it. And there were times I did not want to perform. I wanted to be in my trailer. <laughs> and they would be like, and they do the reverse psychology that all the Italian women do. You don't know how to do Barbara Streisand, you know. And then I would be like, yes, I do. Out of my way. I'd rather be blue. Thinking of you. I'd rather be blue. you. Yeah. Yeah, so there you are. You were two years old, and you're making people laugh, and it probably felt good. Yeah, I yeah actually yeah, and I think yeah, I guess I was making people laugh, but I took myself very seriously. I was mm. singing Garland, right, and Streisand. There were no punchlines. No, it was an honor, a tribute. I put them on a pedestal. But you did create punchlines, probably. I guess I did. I guess well, after a while, you know, I think like I, when I first started doing solo stand-up kind of things, I would do like. Tomlin's material and Robert Klein's material, and then by <clears throat> by my senior year in high school, I started writing my own stuff, and then it, then I went to Emerson. It propelled right, be- from there. Before Emerson, there was I know in high school. I remember this story. There was some teacher that was a theater teacher that you loved. Yeah, he you just always passed away. About, oh, he did. James Romano, Jim Romano. I love Jim. He. Um, I didn't see him a lot afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. Uh, Maybe but, it was tough for you know because I remember a story and he never he, came to see me on Broadway. Wow! And his friend told him his what was his friend's name? His friend's name was Jim too. He said you got to go see him in Love Alec Passion. You've got to go. And he never came. And he and and, and if, I remember him being upset that I was doing this, um, doing uh, the kids show Steampipe Alley. You're better than that. And he didn't say that to me like rudely, but he was like, "You're better than that." And you know, he just thought I was like, you know, meanwhile, it was probably the most creatively freeing time of my career because it was course. like a sketch comedy show for me. It was amazing. But he didn't. He thought, oh, you're a good dramatic actor and that's what you should be doing. And he did. He was my mentor. I, you know, I came out early because of him. He came out to the school because of Right. That's, be, I remember reading that, yeah, that in, uh, in some Times. article in the New York Times. No, I took he... the Times reported by his house. Right. I, I don't know what it was. I could be wrong, but I think his life partner who came after the partner I knew. Cosmo mm-hmm. was his first, like, lover. What a great name. He was a great guy. He loved, we, we all got along. But his new partner, I don't think he liked me. And I think that was one of the reasons why he didn't, he was, didn't come to New York. He didn't go, but he just passed away recently. And um, it was, it was, it, I was sad about that. I loved him. He, he was What did he, he do was for you deal. when you were in school? What did he give he, you he, the chance? And he didn't do? like me at first. He, well, you know, maybe because he, he used to see me in like in junior high school things, thinking I was this cocky kid. And, but I came in and was very respectful, and you know, he gave me a very small part in the first thing, and mm-hmm. then after that, you well, know, you remember the first thing was? Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh, I think I was in the chorus of Promises, Promises, uh-huh. and then, of course, the rest of them. I picked my roles. Of course. Yes, darling, yeah. I picked my roles. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but. Yeah, he he just you know I could go to him when I like when I was in love for the first time mm-hmm. unrequited of course, <clears throat> with the track star mm-hmm. who was straight. Um, Not anymore. His name was Billy. <laughs> yeah, he's straight. He's married. He's got kids. Uh, <clears throat> I was very in love with him. But and I used to talk to Jim about that all the time. And but he. But I it's don't, nice I'm, to have that kind of mentor. I remember reading. Yes, doing monologues from boys in the band reading that play. He had he he did a class called um, American Theater History that we did. We it was really. A great class in high school, and we, at, at, in high school, high school. We not only that, we had a theater arts major. Unfortunately, he didn't teach that. Mm. Um, another guy did. Uh, Good teacher. Yeah, but yeah, 
Yeah, because you need that. You need that sort of push when you're a kid. Yeah, your, your your family's you know all over the place. You know, people are dying. People are bookies. People are going to jail. Yeah, you have to go to school and run away oh, into yeah. these characters. Yeah, either that or reading Stephen King. Yeah, you know, I was like you know, and and or listening to records and I and directing the kids in my garage to do. The Jungle Book, a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and right. screaming at them. No, it's wrong. <laughs> but then, then Emerson came along, and you, I met you. You were, I guess, seventeen, about to be eighteen, or yeah, something I think like I was. that. Yeah. And uh, so, but your sister had gone there, so you knew you knew you were going. And there. And I didn't want to go there because because I Emerson wanted College to, in Boston. I Emerson College in Boston. I want because she went there, and I was like, I want to go someplace different. Right. So I auditioned for the NYU acting program. Mm. A guy named Omar Shipley was the head of it at the time. They accepted very few people from high school, mm-hmm. only graduate students and some transfer students, but maybe a, one or two out of high school. So I was like, I'm going to take this risk. Right, and you had your heart set. You uh, wanted to you wanted uh, get out of Massachusetts, to run away from your and family. And be in New York. And my right. sister was in New York, so you know she was right down the street from NYU. Mm. So <clears throat> I auditioned, and I remember auditioning in like, February or March, and I didn't get my rejection notice until May, which was late. And it was because the they loved the audition, and he really fought for me to to get in. But my SATs, my SATs were brutal; (laughs) they were not good, which is a shame. Because oh yeah, I basically just made designs with the dots. (laughs) So uh, I I I I think letter C. We haven't had a letter C in a while. (laughs) And (laughs) I know let's let's make the moon and a cat. So um. And then I auditioned for Juilliard, and uh, uh, my contemporary was very good, but my classical was not, so I didn't get into Juilliard. Meanwhile, I've done you know three classical plays yeah, on right. Broadway, which is a joke because I used to shun Shakespeare. Dr. Sharp yes. used to make me do Shakespeare in Am- at Emerson, yeah, Emerson College, and I was like, I'm never going to do this. I hate this shit. Yeah. And then I ended up doing... Right, so how did you end up picking Emerson? They, that was the one that they said? It was okay. the one that after that happened, I was like, you know, after I was rejected from both of them, <laughs> I, Marion, like, I got, I actually was a teacher at Stoneham High School named um, Fred Silverman, mm-hmm. who was an alumni and a graduate, and he was an older gentleman, another great guy. Um, he wrote a recommendation letter for me, and I, they knew Marion, and she had won the first Carol Burnett Award. Uh-huh. And... Then I got in, and that's where I went. Yeah, and, and, then, and it, it worked the out okay thing in the for world. you. Oh yeah. God, it was the greatest thing in the world. I went to. I was going to. I was a good math and science guy, and I was going to go to Northwestern or really? or MIT. I was I was courting that, and then my stepfather died when I was fifteen. He got sick with cancer when I was fifteen. He died when I was sixteen, and I said, "Fuck this!" You know, I'm going to do something I love, and I loved announcing whatever. But um, I didn't pick Emerson. My uncle was a teacher at UMass Amherst and he said you got to go to the school it's small and I went okay and I, luckily I went there Change, I wouldn't be here with you he told you to go to Emerson he was the one who said Emerson's a, a great little place good broadcasting school good communication for, for two minutes I was a broadcaster there, and then I met all then, everybody yeah, at Emerson and then it was like come then, on we yeah, gotta do comedy here that's right and uh, so yeah so you went to Emerson you started because you, you graduated 82 so you I graduated yeah. 80 so I, you started in 78 yeah I started 78 and I was uh and I remember, uh, you know, I, you know, I wanted to major in acting, and then I remember mm-hmm. aud- I auditioned for the Emerson Comedy Workshop, which was right. the big thing on campus. You, you had had you heard about it before you had gone? I there? I had heard about it. No, I heard about it when I got there. Right. And I was like, I'm gonna. It's a sketch comedy group. I'm gonna audition for this. And then I, I heard that it was a big thing. You couldn't get tickets to the. You couldn't get tickets to right. the shows. It, it was bigger than any of the dramatic art shows. So, <clears throat> I I was doing a production of Equus at the time. I remember that. 
in Lawrence, Massachusetts with yeah. the Garrett Players with Warren Manzi, who just passed away. He wrote Perfect Crime, which is like the longest wow. running off-Broadway show ever. Wow. He just passed away. He played Dr. Dysart, and I played Alan in, in Equus. And I did that, and I remember auditioning for the Amazon Company Workshop, and I'll never, I'll never forget that. I'll, I remember that audition. Well, I remember tell me about it. Like it was, well, I just remember the room. I remember Allison. I remember Eddie. I remember Lauren. Were you there? Yeah, yes. you were there. You were yes. in the room. Uh, I was, it was, and I remember doing Lily Tomlin's Rubber Freak and then improvising an argument between my mother and father. Sing, that, that's all they would say to each other was bullshit. Oh, yeah, well, bullshit. 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 Yeah, that's, yeah was, I think we were upstairs and, at, uh, at the, the Union. Yeah. Yep. And I, I couldn't go to the callback. But I, we knew right away. We, I, looked at, I, we all looked at each other like, oh, this fucking guy, he's, he's one of us. Yeah, I couldn't go to the callback, and I got in. And yeah. Because I, I, had, a, I had a performance of Equus. Right. <laughs> Equus, they got Flatwus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Lawrence. <clears throat> yeah, and Lawrence. So, yeah, uh, that was, and it's so funny because I remember Leo Nicole who taught yes. the, the history of the American musical theater, and he directed all the musicals. I remember him telling me, actually, especially after I got into Alpha Pi Theater, our fraternity. Which is crazy. When You know, the, oftentimes, you know, it's the 70th <laughs> anniversary. First of all, it's the 40th anniversary next year of the Comedy Workshop. Wow. And this is the 70th anniversary of Theta, our fraternity. We're fraternity brothers. Yeah. And people will say, you know, was, you know, I would never do a fraternity. I go, neither would I. But wow. at Emerson. It's very different. I said, Mario Cantone's my fraternity yeah, brother. It was, it was very unique. Yeah. And there were lots of different kinds of people. Right. There were only a few homosexuals in it. Unfortunately, Gary... Right. Got them all before I got in there. Uh, but well, he was smarter. He was older. He knew what to do. Oh, boy. I was furious. <laughs> I was like, why, Greg Bush? Please, show me your cock. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, that, I, and I, I was, my mother was dying when I pledged. I remember mm. she was sick. Um, <clears throat> but the, uh, that fraternity was, I used to go to the, up to the other fraternity. Who was the, what was the jockey fraternity? RDO, I think they were called. And I used to go up to them. There were some great looking boys in that group though, but I used to go up to them and go, you know what, you guys, you guys need a couple of faggots in this frat. <laughs> and they would be like, fuck you, yeah, Kiko. Yeah, but, but that. Even then. Yeah, but, but you know what, I was, that, that, College did not prepare me for show business. That college prepared me for show business. I'll tell you what—that's the funny thing. It didn't prepare me for show business because, as a homosexual, right. at Emerson College, which was pretty much fifty to sixty percent gay in the at that time, you know, and it was okay. Yeah. You go into show business as a homosexual, and you go to L.A. your first year, which is where I went for nine months after mm. college, and you got people going, and you don't tell anybody you're gay. Yeah, which don't. Is so it did not prepare me for show business in that way. For me, you it, know, I never knew. I was so ignorant that when I went there, I didn't know what gay people were. Oddly enough, my two best friends was a gay man and a gay woman. But I didn't understand it. I, we never talked about it. And when I went to Emerson, my second day, a guy hit on me at one of the events at a bar and I thought, what a nice guy, uh, you know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you and then he, you know, and then he said what he, you know, he said, I'd like to go home with you. And I didn't understand it. And I had to go ask some of my friends. I said, and they said, of course, guys sleep with guys. And I was like, well, what kind of college is this? And, oh. but I, and then all of a sudden I went, I told my friends from home. And they go, what are you kidding? I'm gay. And it was like Jimmy Crookshank and Liz D. Bernardo, my two best friends who helped me raise my brother. And sister, you know, they were, I had gay friends my whole life. I had no idea. I didn't, it was never a discussion. So that Emerson turned me on to that 
lifestyle. I remember I was in love with this woman who worked at the 132 Beacon at the yeah. desk. And she said, I said, I really want to go out with you. And it's so hard for me to ask. And she goes, look, Eddie, you're the greatest, but I love women. She's a lesbian. And I said, huh? And then she, and, but she actually made it easy for me to understand it. She walked me through it. And so it did get me ready in well, a sense see, for that. Well, it didn't, well, for show business, if you were gay, it wouldn't have gotten you ready. Mm. It would have fooled you. Because um, then you get out into the world and you think you can be yourself and be free. Because you when, got out in 1978. You, and when so. you can't, I got out in 82. Oh, I mean, that's what I meant. You and started when, in when you, go, when you I went to LA, you, when, you, when you can't be free, free in who you are, it fucks you up in the head and it fucks with your talent and your performance. I mean, I unfortunately still did that and didn't give a shit, but I, you know, I sacrificed about two thirds of the work in my career. Absolutely. There because are many, you, many, there's because so many in stories. college you were, you were, you know, you were, you know, comfort, there was a comfort level, yes, a comfort zone where you could be whoever you oh wanted God, to be. Yeah. And you know, Marion, my sister, Best friend Harold, who was a big influence in my comedy, as I said, who actually wrote some lyrics for the first one-man show I did on Broadway for Laugh For. He wrote some of the um, some of the lyrics with Jerry, mm -hmm. my husband, who wrote all the original who, who music. Writes incredible music. Great music for me. He wrote some, written me some new stuff. You know, all all, all these men that you didn't get <clears> to see, but you ended up with the best. I really did. You did. Oh, I ended up with the best guy in the world. Yeah, no question. I don't like to celebrate it too much because once you do that, they end up, you know, running away. Well, running don't let away them listen. with some leather hooker, and it's over. Um, but but think but about Harold, the leather you'll get. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, bequeath you. I want buttery leather. Mm, I'll, make, uh, I'll work on it. Very buttery. Um, but Harold, I knew Harold was gay. Mm -hmm. So this is my sister's best friend, and I looked up to my sister so much, and I just thought, it's okay, even though my mother used to try to scare me straight and say horrible things about homosexuality. And she, it was her own shit. It not, was her own shit. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with... No, it had to do with me because I was her son. But right. she actually loved Harold and she was actually okay with it for, with others, but not her son. But that was another thing that, you know, that's that's how I, I why I was always okay about it. Because mm -hmm. I knew it was okay. If she thinks it's okay, and I look up to her for so much... I, it's okay. All right, well, tell me about L.A. and why but, but, you said you had stories, unless you had something but else I have to you say, wanted to yeah, say. But I, I was the de-homophobivizer. <laughs> like, like, I remember, like... It sounds a, like a game you would it's get It's true. From like, I remember John, John Vesey. Remember John? Yeah, John oh, Vesey Smith. I adored him. He was so cute. Uh, he uh, was very homophobic at first until he met me. There were a lot of those guys that were just like, uh-uh. And then they got to know me as a person, and... I dehomophobe them. Yes. <laughs> you, I dehomophobize. I know. My mother, of course, was, you know, she didn't she didn't know that Jimmy and Liz, my two best friends, oh, were gay. And she didn't know that her best friend, this guy, <clears throat> was gay. And all of a sudden she went from Brooklyn A, you know, yeah. what's these gay people, to like I everybody I love is gay. Yeah, see, it, that's how it that's how it happens. Is yes. when you meet them and they're humanized to you and yes. you love them. You know. Right, and everything. Yeah. So, but uh, now I'm interested in the LA stuff. You said I have stories. Um, you went out to LA. I went to and LA, you, you... and they were just like, "Don't tell anybody you're gay." This is a really good-looking guy that I that was working in television doing episodics. I don't know where he is now, but mm -hmm. he was just getting a lot of work. And he was like, "I ran into him in the bar," and he was like, "Don't tell anybody you're gay." And I was mm -hmm. like, "What do you mean?" Right. It was weird, and I, you know, I auditioned. I used, I had no car, no agent. I walked to the comedy store and auditioned, <laughs> and I didn't get it. I got a call back and then didn't get it, <clears throat> um, which was fine. And then um, I did a one-man show out in a, there uh, in a little theater on Pico called mm -hmm. the Carpet Company Arena Stage. <laughs> 
And I did a one-man show of all like character pieces. I remember the In the Mirror, that piece that I did? Of course I, did. I do. I did that. I did a bunch of other things. Some a lot of the stuff that I wrote in college, I put them together. Billy Swayze, like all those yes. all those pieces that I would do, all those characters. You pieces. created I, a one person. I, I, yeah, show. I did it. Yeah, I did it in college. I did it in, high, um, in California, and then after nine months, I came back because I was like, I cannot. And did you go back to Boston? Or you come to New York. Came right to New York. That's great. Moved now, in with Cheryl Keller, who's now a big Broadway director. Right. And um, and my my boyfriend at the time, Billy Smith. Right. And Cheryl Keller with the eyes that were ridiculous. Oh, I was with her, could... I'm doing a reading with her tomorrow. Yeah. We're doing a play together. You, yeah. can't, you can't focus on anything. It's no, like, are those real? Yeah. Those eyes Her are crazy. Piercing blues, yeah. So now, before mm. um, Steam Pipe Alley, mm-hmm. what, were you, what were you doing up until then? Because Steam Pipe, what a year was Steam Pipe Alley? That was early on. 88 to 93. Okay, so you were in New York four Which years. Which was a children's show, by the way, that yeah. they had. In case you on don't Channel know. Nine or yeah, something. Yeah, WWOR TV. It was like right. a sketch comedy. It was so fun to watch. It was you. sick. Well, the target audience was eight to fifteen, and we had adults watching it a lot. 52%. Did you watch Rex Trailer as a kid? Yes, and, I right. did. Boom Rex Trailer. Well, in New York, we had Sunny Sunny Fox and yep. Wonderama, and we had uh, what was the thing I could see? Billy. What was that? Uh, Romper Room. Romper Room. But in Boston, in Massachusetts, you had Rex Trailer, who taught at Emerson, who was one of my favorite teachers. Yeah, Rex. So did wow. did he influence you at all? In the no. Sh- okay. No, but I did go on his Crimson Travel tours. Mm. I went because of him. I went unchaperoned. Well, he was a chaperone, but without my parents, to Disneyland when I was like eight or nine. And then two years later, they, when 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 um, Disney World opened up, we mm-hmm. went there. And right. I, I went to both. It was because of him. But and then I realized he was at Emerson. I, I'd never met him. I didn't know uh-huh. him. I mean, I met him on the tours uh, when we were in California, but and in Florida. But <clears throat> I didn't know him. No. Before Steam Pipe Alley, Steam though, Pipe you... Alley was based on what Soupy Sales. Ah. Uh-huh. That's what they wanted. They wanted that double thing. They wanted that adult appeal, but kid show. Yeah, That's exactly we, what they wanted. We all laughed at it, and we were like, he's getting a, It's like well, Bullwinkle. The kids you know? weren't laughing. They had no idea what the <laughs> fuck I was talking about. They would look at me like I had three heads. They hated me. <laughs> they just wanted prizes. Oh, they did. They That's wanted. They, they want. did. They wanted the the Laffy Taffy and the 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 video games. How did you get that show? I auditioned for it, and a really? guy named Bob Woodruff hired me, and he was like this. Floridian gay guy. He's dead now too. Mm. And he was like he was just a great guy. He loved me. He was he was a great guy. But he he gave me the job and he was just like he let me do. Me and Judy Ketchka, who was the only mm. writer I had on the show, we would go to him and be like, Can we um can we do the mommy dearest obstacle course on Mother's Day? And he's like, All right, go ahead. <laughs> you know, and then we'd be like, uh, can we do uh, we do American Bandstand and I would be like Fabian and and uh, we just did and we did Ra- Raging Pan, which was De Niro's and Scorsese's version of Raging Bull. We did all these right. crazy sketches. And the games like I was Luciano Pavarotti and I would I was working at a gas station and I pumped gas and ate beans. Mm. And I would make the kids play musical chairs with whoopee cushions. Oh god! It was so sick and demented. Right, I but mean, that's what kids then, love: uh, and then, farting the, and, and oh, yeah. dancing. And then we had I said one get, was, kids. I did that before the interview. And then <laughs> we had. I said to him one time, I was like, "Can we do a game called Find Sammy Davis Jr.'s Eye in the Pie?" Oh, <laughs> so he was like, "All right, go ahead." Really? Oh yeah. I don't remember. So that we one. did Find Sammy Davis Jr.'s Eye in the Pie. Wow. And I would be Sammy. Well, I was yeah. Sammy Sammy Jr. And I had a sequined <laughs> eye patch on. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, man, find my eye in the pie. And he lost it in a different way every time we did it. It's like, Ella had a high note. And my eye, kapowy, flew and landed into the Viennese table. And it was like, and the kid would have to find it. And I would sing, right. find my eye in the pie, to the tune of find my, keep your eye on the sparrow. 
<laughs> it was so sick. It's sick. It was so sick. And then one year, it was like the second year I did it. Sammy Davis Jr. comes to host the New York, uh, the New York leg. Of I the, on New York Awards. No, the no, not the the, the telethon. Oh, right. Jerry's telethon. Jerry right. Lewis from telethon. the New York version. Yeah, the New York leg of it. You know, the New York branch of it, which was the second biggest one, I guess. So, right. I met him. And my my senior producer Rick, who Derman was like, you have to come down. We're gonna do a couple of segments with him. I'm like, I am not going down there and meeting him. I said, does he know about the eye and the pie? <laughs> he goes, yeah, he knows about it. I'm like, what did he say? He and, and he said, well, he said to Bob Woodruff, he goes, you know, it's, it's it's okay with me, but I don't know what's so funny about finding my eye and the pie, man. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to go down and meet him, and he was so nice and cute, and he was pinching my cheeks, and we did two segments, and he was on Steam Pie Valley. We did two segments yeah, for Steam Pie Valley. Yeah, I remember that he was on Steam. I didn't remember the eye and the pie. I yeah, didn't remember no, that, that episode. Well, oh, Maybe there was, I forgot there on was purpose. Ma- no, there was many. There was a, we did it every month. Wow. Yeah, we rotated games. Um, one week was Luciano. One week was the, the pie. We had some crazy. So you got it because you auditioned, but before yeah. that, you were just mainly doing stand up. We had started the Paper Moon yeah. Comedy Club. Yep. I was just in doing stand up. In 84, and yeah. you were just doing stand up. And you had gotten, you, you were at the improv now, and the improv, you were working I there a lot. there in 1983. Yeah. yeah. And Green Street was first. Right. Upstairs at Green Street, which, which was, was my the favorite. Greatest club ever. My, because I, I loved following singers. I yeah. hated following other comics. It, it, it made my stomach turn because I never felt I was as good as anybody else and that I was going to buy. Well, you know what was interesting? Because at the Paper Moon, you don't might not even know this, but there was a guy named Scott Masmano who was running the lights and the sound. Right. And you influenced him to change what we were doing early on because you came in 84 at the beginning. I said, Mario, get over here. You, Susie Essman, yeah. I says, I need everyone to come. That he was would a great change, room. He would change the lighting at when he knew that your bit was over. Yeah. He would change the lighting ever so slightly. Um, Every time you went to a different sketch, he would change the, huh. the lighting of it, and that really became our signature over there. We would we would play with the lighting. We played with other different levels. So because you were the one performer, you know everyone else was doing stand up or working the crowd like Colin yeah. or Susie, but you were the one who had actual theater pieces yeah, in a I sense. Did. Yeah, it was great. So, but Green Street, talk about Green Street with Leah. Well, Leah Sutton, friend. who I love her, and I still see her and all the time. She's, she's in Florida, which is terrifying, but yeah. she's um. <clears throat> She, uh, I went in with a box of truffles and auditioned for her mm-hmm. and did In the Mirror for her. Oh. And it was the long version of it. And she sat there and watched me like, what? Well, you were getting picking your pimples yeah. in the and, mirror. And then going into different things, like different, because I expanded that after a while. It was just me in the mirror with picking my pimples, being bothered by my brother. And then I expanded it into me doing bi- sketches and bits and impressions for myself in the mirror and then right. getting interrupted. Dick Beebe, yes. may he rest in peace, he told me, he expanded that for me. <clears throat> he said, take, he took my material and put it all together in there. But anyway, I did that piece and I passed. And Tony Goldman yes. owned the club, who I went know. to Emerson College, yes. graduated with my sister. And I, and I remember the first night he saw me, he, went, he pulled me aside and he just was... He loved me, and he said, and I, I, and you, and you never pulled rank. You didn't call me. I said no. I said, you know, yeah. I auditioned and got into my own. And but Leah it was, was smart, you know. Awesome. And to have us, I remember, you know, having to follow a musician for the first oh. time and to be jazz, and then to be okay. And now here's Eddie Brill, and it'd be like, here's a little joke I wrote back in yeah. 1988. Yeah. <laughs> you felt like it was so different than following a comic. It. it was my favorite. I loved thing. it. I felt like it was the way it was meant to be, and it's the way it was years ago too. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of music rooms that had comics. One yes. or two comics. So this was two comics and two either jazz or R and B singers. Right, and the top top of, of the David pop. Peaston, Lita Galloway, Jennifer Lewis. I mean, there was just Ugh. a lot of people. Ellen Germain, she was great. There was some great great singers there. 
Uh, white tablecloths. We never oh. performed. Oh my god! With white tablecloths, and there was, was like, it Ooh. was a lot of a big black audience, which was yeah. great for me. For Boy, me too. Oh, Jesus, it was great. So it, it was it was a it was my favorite room. Right. Although Paper Moon is a close second, yeah, Paper it didn't Moon, last long enough. Yeah, yeah, we only it only lasted for me about two three years because yeah. I started doing well that as was a comic. It. And then we, I gave it to Barry Katz, and he turned it into the Boston Comedy Club I in '88. That, that, that's yeah. so that's but that but you know they're making a movie now while we're recording and they're reenacting the Boston Comedy Club in this film. Judd Apatow, De Niro, oh, yeah. I think it's a whole thing. But um, all right, so it's 1988. You get what year did you get Steampipe? '88. Okay. Yeah. All right, so now you do the show, and it's popular. Nope. I mean, it's really popular. It was the highest rated kid show in the country I in May know. of '90. Yeah. Huge. Like nine. We got nines. 9.0 9. Yeah. ratings. We premiered with a 3.2 on mm. a Sunday after a Sunday morning. It's unheard of. Right. It's unheard of. It was either Davy and Goliath or Mario Cantone. That's, oh, oh, yeah. Or, <laughs> God or, wouldn't or, like that, Mario. Oh, I love Davy and Goliath. <laughs> Me too. It was so good. It was so religious now when you watch it, though. It's I know. And I never realized how religious it was. And oh, also, yeah. during the 80s, I was coming home out of my mind. And before I went to bed, I would watch Davy and Goliath because oh, we'd be up all night partying our asses off. <laughs> you kids it changed. Party. I was not a big party no, in college. No, not at all. I smoked a little pot here and there, right. but that was about it. I didn't do the quaaludes and the LSD. But you said you had done it when you were younger. You messed around with it or pot. Yeah, that's it. That's all I did. And I maybe did coke a handful of times and never liked it. I used I used it was I I used to not talk. Yeah, that I did it a few times. No, I wouldn't talk. I'd be so anxious and horrified. If I'm thank God I didn't like it because I would have done it more. I did it a few times in my life and that was it. I did not like it. but pot I did like, and, you know, yeah. I, I quit that, too, because it's bad on the voice. Yeah, and it's also, you know, it, it takes you away from the creativity. I never go on stage. Never. You know. I can't take a sip of wine and go on stage. Right, I'm the I same will way. not do, because once, I just thought years ago, when I was young, once you start doing that, you're going to depend on that when you go on stage. Yes. And I never did. Yeah, and a lot of people think, well, you know, if I just do it, it gives me the confidence. No. No. You know, Chris Phillips and I, our friend Chris, fraternity brother, Emerson guy, comedy guy we used to record music all the time we still do 40 years later and we used to smoke pot before we would do it. Yeah. we thought you know we needed some kind of influence and then we decided okay let's try to record without it and see what it's like and we were nervous that it was going to kind of suck and it was the best recording yeah. we'd ever done and then we decided okay let's we don't need this to, to no, really be you, great at this you don't you really do but it's so many comics and so many actors don't think that and musicians think that they need it okay so now the what's when is the show over and what takes you to the next well step? The, the, the show ended. The show ended in ninety three. It was thrown off the air because the <laughs> the, 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 the was we were thrown off. We we were, we were still in the threes and the fours for ratings. Yeah, we were thrown off the air because it was bought the the channel nine. WWOR TV, Secaucus, New Jersey. Yes. I love Secaucus. <laughs> it uh, it was bought by Chris Craft. Oh yes, boat company. The boat company. So it was. Uh, I mean, it was, and this was a, a, a local broadcasting station, but at the time it was like a super station. It went across the country to 150 markets. So mm-hmm. this was. We were seen in Puerto Rico, and we were seen it all over the so place. So you probably had an agent now, and I had it. I always had the worst representation. Mm-hmm. I never had good luck with representation. Never, never did. Um, and you know, I'm a hard sell too, but and especially. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, you're, you're wrong. I, okay. I was. I was a homosexual, and it was. It was a very hard thing. And now that I'm older, uh, an older homosexual, when everything's all good, it's 
where's the young gays? So you know, it, it's it's. I was born. I was born too early, <laughs> uh, or I was born too late. Either you know, way, I could have been. Closet yeah, in the forties yeah. and no one would have gave a shit. You and Mom's Maybelline. Yeah, me and yeah, me, yeah. me and Paul Lynn, you know. Right. Um <clears throat> but, but anyway, so I, because I, you know, I, I know you went I remember you were in uh, that quiz show and you yeah, had that, done little parts. That was in ninety two or ninety yeah, ninety three. Yeah. I did I did I had a great little part in quiz show. That was an amazing And then all of a sudden, thing. you know, Nathan Lane's out of love value. Well Joe Mantellis came to see me at Caroline's and mm-hmm. he said to me, he was directing Love, Valor, was off-Broadway at the time. I went to see it. And he Where called, was it playing then? It was at the Manhattan Theater Club. And okay. he called me. He said, wouldn't you be great in this? I was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. Mm. He said, well, Nathan's leaving, and I want you to come in and audition. So he, I auditioned, and um, he spent an hour with me in front of Terrence McNally and mm. Lynn Meadows and <clears throat> and Michael Bush was there at wow. the time, who also went to Emerson. Um, yes. He was a brilliant director uh, at Emerson College, his production of Bus Stop, I'll never forget. I never forget. It was uh, so compelling. Was brilliant. Yeah. Um, I always told him that. So uh, I auditioned and I took a break. Then I came back. He worked with me for another hour in front of everybody. And then I waited for fucking a week and a half. Yeah. He tortured me, the Joe Mantello. Week and, a half. and um it was between me and Joel Gray. Wow. And I got it. And it was all downhill from there yeah, because so it that's was the, the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I mean, I've done five Broadway shows and three out of the five Joe Mantello, I was lucky to have him direct. But <clears throat> but then you have Jerry, you know. Well, Jerry, you know, Jerry assisted, was the assistant director on Laugh 4 and he wrote Laugh all Four. the music, my one-man show. That was right. the... the that Which was, was, you know, I don't, like you say, it was all downhill. I know you're joking. No, I'm joking. Yeah, well, because all of a sudden now you get to do Broadway in a, in a way that was, it was Mario on Broadway. Yeah. It wasn't, me filling in for Nathan Lane no. and me playing in a character. No. It's like, this. these are the strengths I have. How can I put them together and bring an audience in? And it in? was like everything I did over the past 10 years of my stand-up. 30 new years. Stuff. You, when yeah, you, you're like on the compacted. table in your yeah. living room. Yeah, you doing know, Judy Garland. Yeah. I got to have the Judy sign and do Judy Garland. Right. <clears throat> but, yeah, I... I, I um, I mean, that was amazing. It was very trying. It was very difficult. It was exhausting. It's a two-hour show, and it yes. was a musical, pretty much. Yes, and you have to keep your pipes. All, uh, yeah. the Jerry whole time. would yell at me, "Get off the phone!" Because I was on the phone <laughs> during the day, and I, I was on prednisone for one of those weeks oh, because God. it was tough on the throat. For, really, really rough. But how long did that run? It, it was a limited run. We did three months, and then they filmed it. For, Showtime produced uh, yes. it. Showtime was the only show, Broadway show, Showtime ever produced. And they filmed it, and uh, they aired it, and sold it, and blah, blah, blah. But um, it, 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 it got great reviews, and we were nominated for a Tony Award for Best Theatrical Event. It was me, Whoopi Goldberg, Dame Edna, and um, Billy Crystal. And, he, and Billy group. Crystal won. Yeah, it was an amazing Any of year. those people. Well, you know what? It could be a dance... Best theatrical event, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Those ca- that category was a dance show. Anything that wasn't the conventional thing could have been Cirque du Soleil. But this year, right. there was seven one-man shows, and only four of us got nominated. And I closed in January, and the nominations didn't come out till May, but I got nominated. But it still must feel incredible for well, you. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. But I love doing plays, too. Yeah. I mean, I've just done two off-Broadway plays in a row. I know. You row, did the I one don't... at that, uh, the small theater that Dick Cabot just did the show at. At the Abington. Oh, I love that little and theater. And it was a great, it's a great Italian-American play called A Room of My Own. Got great reviews. It was, I had a, it was, it was one of the greatest roles I've ever played. I love that. So and I you... did a play with uh, Cynthia Nixon directed called right. Steve at the New Group with my husband. Yeah. 
And then Jerry and I did a concert together at Lincoln Center. I know, husband. and you're going to do it again. We are, May 28th. Yay. Yay, at the Bay Street Theater in Long Island. Long Island, in the Hamptons. it'll be nice. Yeah, it'll be nice. So, you know, here you are, <clears> and you've done, now you've done Broadway, and you've done, you sing, and you do your comedy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this role comes to you for a television show, uh, Sex and so the that, City. Oh, that's right. How did that? That, that, um, uh, that happened because of Michael Patrick King. Right. He who was a great comic and a great guy who great. I knew him from here down we're upstairs above Stand Up New York. Yeah. I'd worked with him all the time. He was brilliantly funny. Brilliant. And always creative and oh. always always new stuff. Oh, he was so funny. He used to do he used to like throw things at me. He was like, Okay. <laughs> it was right after like Joan Rivers' husband had died, has killed himself. Right. And she he went and I knew I knew I know I knew Joan years after that and loved her to death. Mm-hmm. She was I did a roast for her. That's how much I remember I the roast. Because I you hate did doing two, roasts. You only, yeah, you did Dennis Leary's work. Dennis isn't done. And I'm asked, I was asked a lot to do, and I was like, nope. Yeah. I don't know him. I yeah. don't know William Shatner. <laughs> yeah. What I, am I, I going to say about him? That you had the worst one-man show I've ever seen on Broadway? <laughs> well, you yeah, that would have been It was awful. We're rolling around in a fucking chair. He should be ashamed. <laughs> Mike Tyson's show was 20 times better than his. Yes. It actually was. Yes. I, I'm obsessed with Mike Tyson. I've never met him. I love him. I you love will. boxing. That's Maybe another secret about me. I like boxing. But what? How did you get just... Did you nah. ever go to boxing? No, you... just the men. Ah, okay. Um, but, um, <laughs> but it's a fascinating sport to me. Yes. That, that they actually beat the shit out they of each other. They beat the shit out and then they like hug at the end. And, yeah. Like, and then they... the cage fighting is horrifying. Yeah, because you can't oh, get out. Oh, my God. At least with the ropes, you can I, run. I know. <laughs> you're, like a, you're like two like hamsters in a cage on steroids killing each other, chewing each other's ears off. Ouch, ouch. But, so so uh, Michael Patrick King. Michael Patrick King, he, he, he called me and said, I... It was the third season. He said, "I got, I got a, I got a, a, a role for you, just for one episode." Mm-hmm. And then it just blew up from there. I did it, and that, and I, I, he said to me, "We've gotten a lot of calls and a lot of, you know, letters about how much they loved you." I said, "Am I coming back?" And they said, "Yes." Oh. And that was it. I only did, you, I did twelve episodes, but I got to do both movies. Right. That's the other. That thing. was the big thing. Yeah, that's huge, and people mm-hmm. know you for that. Now, you know, I know you, we were kids together, and I know you, all this stuff. It has to be interesting to have a life where you go from just being the guy, hanging out, having fun, all these great friends, still the same friends, still the same people, but now you're famous. What's that like for you? Well, I had, I think, you know, even at the peak of sex, I remember the first time I was really got a little nuts was I was at the, the decadence party in New Orleans, it's a block, gay block party on mm-hmm. Labor Day weekend. And it was like the peak of sex in the city. And that was like, wow. I, yeah, I was pulled in every direction. Right. That was wild. That, uh, that's when it started. But then, you know, it still was a very, if I was alone and I was, you know, in the meatpacking district, even today, if I'm in right. the meatpacking district and there are drunk women, they chase me and scream. Yeah. And it's terrifying. And I run. Um, but, but there has to be some satisfaction to the fact that, you know, you continue on this path. And this is just, you know, we're, you know, together, we're in our 50s, and yeah. there's still time to go. And many things you haven't done yeah. oh, that sure. you want to, you probably want to direct something, I'm guessing. I wouldn't mind directing something, but I just, I want to do more theater. I really love it. I wouldn't mind a series. Like, this is how it goes for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a series would be love, film work, series. A talk show's last on my list, mm-hmm. but I would do it. Um, especially if it had a variety element to it. Right. But, um, I, you know, but but theater is like, I think it's my favorite thing. And That's I wonderful. hadn't done a run of a show in so long, and I just did those two shows back to back. And it was just like, this is great. I miss this. It is great. Now, you know, one of the things I've been asking people is, 
any regrets? It's a hard question to ask. Oh, yeah. It's a hard question to ask, but it's important to know that you... I mean, I know about the thing when you did the Sondheim show, and that's kind of a famous story, where you wanted oh, to yeah. do the Sondheim show in 2001. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I did. I, I but tur- there's no... To me, I, I turned wouldn't... down two big Broadway shows. Right. One was The Lion King. Because, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, no. Yeah, Timon, because I didn't want to strap a puppet on my ass and paint my face green. I, just I do it every I don't day regret at that. home by myself. I don't regret that at all. Right, Max Casella did it. All uh, right. I mean, oh, and I'll never forget. He was like, you fucking made the right choice. He goes, I'm in fucking traction now. <laughs> I'm like, I everyone, the hyenas, forget. If the if those if those um, g- giraffes on stilts uh, go over, right. they have to pull them off like when, while they're laying flat by the ends of the stilt. <laughs> They they have to they're like watch out for the paper mache head you know they have to pull them off, but it, it's hilarious. But um and it's a brilliant show. I just didn't yeah. want to do it. But yeah, the producers I was supposed in to do 2001. You're going to play Carmen Gia. I was which which in a way is great because Mel Brooks said I want that guy. He did, and he said it to me when I did let him in when when I remember when you Nathan you were on the lane hosted, hosted. It. and I had to follow the two of them. Yeah, that was terrifying, but it went very well. And he was like he offered me that role and. And, you know, we were in negotiations. This is the thing. The big thing was I could have done it for six months, mm-hmm. and they wanted me for a year. I was like, I'm not going to make a break your show if I leave after six months. You got Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. No one yeah. gives a shit about me. So they said, no, we need you for a year. I said, well, I have to leave to do Assassins. I was right. I wanted to play Sam Beck in Assassins. The Joe Mantello was directing. I was, right. there was and no way I was not going to do it. Right. And it's Stephen Sondheim. Right. So, uh, and I was involved in that first. I'm pretty mm. loyal. I'm it's loyal important, to that, you know, in your in your world, mm. in our world, if you yeah. are loyal, people yeah. will can count on you. And no one loved Mel Brooks more than me. But I I'll, look, I'll tell you, if it was the director role mm-hmm. that Gary Beach right. did, which he told me I was too young for, Corman the uh, uh, Roger Debris, right? That would have been a hard decision because mm-hmm. that's the role I wanted to do. But. Um, you know, I love Mel Brooks. I think he's brilliant. I love everything he does, and I love the producers. But as a homosexual, it's like there's two things that are made fun of in that show: gays and Nazis. Mm-hmm. So I kind of go, and I remember doing the workshop and Nathan saying he's going to change this "keep it gay" number. He's going to get killed for this, and they did change it, and he mm. did not get killed for it. Look, wow. I don't give a fuck, but I just thought I don't want to do I don't want to be, be running around with my sibilant S's doing that. I don't want right. to do that. I you know, I'm I, I but I would have done it if I could have played Roger Debris. If, if I would have known. Oh yeah, I would but but I I don't regret turning it down because well what happened was in 2001 when we were supposed to do November 2001 when we were supposed to do Assassins and it got canceled. And the story was about I played Sam Beck who tried to Hijack a plane and crash it into the White House to right. kill Nixon. He never got it off the ground. Right. And 2001's the perfect year. Yeah, yeah. And Joe Mantella one. said to me, and they were two monologues I had to do. Mm-hmm. I had these two monologues that were like arias. They were mm-hmm. brilliantly written by John Weidman. And Joe said to me, do you want, he goes, we got to cancel. And I'm like, why? He goes, do you want to go out and make those monologues funny? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I was like so upset. So, but we ended up doing it in 2004. Right. So that, And I did three out. Broadway shows in a row that, 2003, Violet Hour, which Richard Greenberg wrote that role for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big bomb, but it was, and it was a horrible time, but it was a, it's a beautiful play on paper. It's just a bad production. Um, and then we did, um, 
Then I did Assassins, which yeah. was the number one New York Times it was critics incredible. pick, and it didn't last too long, but it was magnificent. But you were loyal, and you got to do <clears throat> I it. Did and it. They, oh, and they, I'll never, I'll never, And it, then I got to do my one man show, so yeah. you know. So it all worked out. But uh, it all worked out. Did you ever? And go to also, Europe? the other thing is this: when you do, when you, when I, if I was doing at the time that the producers was happening too, mm-hmm. during two thousand one, two thousand two. That's when I did a lot of Sex in the City episodes. And you know, when you're in the theater and you're a middling name, they don't let you out to go do an episode. Right. They won't let you out. Depends on the producer, but most of them most will of them not let you out. And they want people to be loyal yeah, to the show. Yeah, they don't in. want you to miss the show. I'm not talking let you out of the show, no. let you out to go do the episode. Right. So for a day or two, they won't let you out. I know many I was at stories. Letterman, I couldn't get out to go do Curb Your Enthusiasm no. one day. No. I had to do a. Yeah. Episode. Well, and TV will not excuse you to go do theater. So it's, right. but I would have never been able to, I wouldn't have done Sex in the City. That's the other thing that wouldn't have happened. So, really, there's, in a sense, there's no regret for that. No regret. No regret. Yeah, I, I, but I have regrets. I mean, you know, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, Beggar that's choosy. Mm-hmm. I, I, in negotiations, I've definitely turned down shit because of billing, or it's never about money as much as it is about. It's really not billing. about money. I mean, it shouldn't like, be. Like about I'm like money. I'm, I'm this age, and it's like I don't want my name above the title, but can I have my name somewhere so people know I'm in it? I might put right. a couple of people in the seats yes. every night. I'm not going to sell your place out for you, but you know, so that's something that's important to me, and I've, I've, I've. Fucked up negotiations with that. But, you know. But when the bottom line is, and when it's all said and done, you got to choose what you wanted to choose, and that's more important than just kissing somebody's ass so you can have something that, you know, is just, it doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't, there's no connection to you, connection to your soul, and why settle for less in anything in your life? Yeah. I've dodged some bullets too. And like, well, I was supposed to do High high Fidelity, the musical, mm -hmm. the Jack Black role, and I, the negotiations got messed up, but um, and I'm still very friendly with all the people in that that were on the creative team with that show and the they producers. wouldn't have, they wouldn't have they asked you to guys. do it if they didn't. They did, but it you. it didn't work out though. But hmm. um, but e- but it it died. It lasted yes. like a week, and it yeah. was you know, and it was a really good show. Another one, a great show on paper. Yeah, it's still a very good show. It just wasn't a good production. All right, so what's what's the future for you? What well, what, what do you what do you want to do know. next? Well. I'd, well, yeah, yeah, well, I'd like to sleep. Yeah, well, that'll happen. I don't know. I, I promise. I mean, I'm, I, I tour around with my, my one-man show, and I'm doing my new one. Do I want to bring it to Broadway? It's called On the Way to Broadway right now. Well, um, and then when it, gets it almost to, has to go yeah, to Broadway. It, well, we'll see. Later, it's it, going to be called, ladies and gentlemen, we're here. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, it's going to be called Mario Cantone Swings Both ah. Ways. Ah. But I don't know. That sounds like a Sinatra album from I, the 50s. I know. That's what I like about it. But I don't know. I don't know if I want to do it. It's exhausting. Yeah. I'm old now. Yeah. You, you want to do more film? You want to do... I would love to do some more film, and I'd love to do... A series would be very nice. I'd like to... I'd be very interested to see you direct something. I think you have such a vision. I used to direct in college all right. the time. And I mean, high school all the time. I did, I and I we, loved we, it. We talked about that a million years ago. <clears throat> and I never did... My husband's the director. Right. He's, he's great at it. He's got a couple of big But you got to be influenced by him, and you got to... Well, I don't, I'm not saying you have to. You no, have to... I'd like to, but I think the older I've gotten, the more I've gotten like, oh, I'm good. I would direct mm. a piece of theater but a film no right that's i would know i'd be i'd go nuts 
No. Well, you know, no matter. I asked you about regrets, and in reality, none of the regrets are really that deep because no. in reality, it's, these wonderful things have happened. It's like and if you if you have a, a want or a wish, or and you just think, okay, well, if I stay with that, whatever ends up happening. You have no idea. You make a left instead of yeah. making a right, and this well, wonderful thing happens. I went to happens. Emerson instead of NYU, NYU and look, I mean, that the, the comedy workshop, you know, made my life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, um, it really did. So it, it, it's true. Things, things go the way they're supposed to go. I, I'm a lazy person. Okay. I am. I'm not a workaholic. That's okay. I love when I'm working. I'm definitely happier when I'm working. I guess I've come to realize that. I mean, because to do these last two off Broadway shows in a row. It's the first time I've done a run of a show in a long time, and I was really afraid. I was like, it's been that long time. Yeah. So the first one was Steve. It was called Steve with the new group, and my husband played opposite me, Jerry, and Cynthia Nixon directed it, and it was a not a huge role, but a really good role. And then the next play was this huge role, the pretty much the engine of the piece, and it was with Ralph Macho was in it. Yeah, that's who it was. a great time. A Room of My Own that's by really Charles Messina. It was a great Italian-American comedy, but really about a fucked up poor Italian family that lived on Thompson Street in the village in mm. New York City. It takes place in 1979. Now, my sister moved to New York, and she lived at 176 Thompson Street. Ah. This family, where the writer wrote about his family, he lived at 171 Thompson uh -huh. Street. So the backdrop out the window of the apartment on the set was a picture of what was across the street. Uh. So every time I looked out the window and did the monologue about the snow, when it was snowing, I would look at my sister's building. That's which crazy. is where I would go to New York when I was eight years old when she moved there and I would go visit her. And, she and the paper me. moon was between <clears throat> Thompson and Sullivan right, right there. there. Yeah. It was right there. Oh, now, yeah. all you have to do to make a complete circle is to do a show at the Stoneham Zoo. Yeah, that's a great that idea. Be, you know, uh, you yeah. go there and you do the yellow if polar they bear. clear the polar bears <laughs> or they, just clean they the tranquilize damn. them. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, there was the bird tower, too. It was like the tiki room. You walked in, and it was all these flying birds. In the tiki, 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 tiki oh, room. Oh, in the tiki, tiki. Oh, I love the tiki <laughs> room. All the birdies sing words, and the flowers croon in the tiki, tiki, tiki. Is that the word? Tiki really room, is? yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I grew up in South Florida. I know. I love Disney World. I like I the Disney. Me, too. I was just there. I, I had I did a bunch of shows and workshops, and I had four hours, and I ran to Epcot just to, to I play. I think I'm going to go in December. It, you have to. I love it there. I haven't been there in so long. Well, I, you know, I appreciate you coming in. I, I love you so much. I love you're you too. My, you know, you're my brother. You're, you know, we started together, and it's kind of nice to see. Well, you called me. You I do said really yes well immediately. Yes, I, I know. adore you. I'm, and I'm going to play Florida December second, the Parker Playhouse in Fort Lauderdale. I know it very well. And I played. Uh, I played uh, clarinet as a little boy. Did there. you? Yeah. It's a beautiful theater with Gorgeous. amazing history. I did it last June, and it was an incredible show. Southern Florida, best shows for me. Yes. The audience is crazy. But yeah, I'm going to do that December 2nd. And then I'm going to go to Disney World. They're gonna, then I'm going to leave the stage and they're going to go, wait, where are you going? I'm going to go, I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my buddy, my fraternity brother, Mario Cantone. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks, love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.